You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks and praise for the gift of this day and the ways in which you fulfill your promises by sending your Holy Spirit to be with us, to fill us, direct, and guide us. As we're gathered this day in your name, be in the midst of us, and I pray Pour out your spirit upon us, uh, giving to us the life and the salvation which is found in you. And this I ask, this I offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we celebrate today, um, this day in the church calendar, the day of Pentecost, the day in which We remember, as I noted in my prayer just a moment ago, that that God is a God who wonderfully, who graciously fulfills his promises. Uh, And Jesus had told his followers to wait for the gift that would be given to them, to wait for the gift that would be visited upon them, that that power and that presence uh, of God. And as we're gathered this day, I, I give thanks for a God who does fulfill his promises, who does pour out his power upon us, who is with us uh, now and always. And as we remember that, as we give thanks for that, as we're gathered today, we also continue um, preaching and looking at Paul's letter um, to the Corinthians. And particularly today in this last half of the 11th chapter, Paul is addressing the community of faith and in particular the way that they are going about the Lord's Supper the way that they are going about um, Holy Communion. And sadly, we see to Paul's great sadness, to his dismay, uh, it has become a travesty. Rather than its design, rather than what was revealed about the character uh, and the grace of God in the Last Supper, it has turned into something which is a travesty of self-absorption and cliquishness. It had become um, the opposite of its intent. And as you might gather as we, as we read through this, the, the way that they went about it in that place and time was much more of a house church um, type approach, something obviously far less formal than what we do together on Sunday morning now. And it was more of a house church. One of the things um, that we are seeing is sadly um, they're not fulfilling those words which are recorded by Jesus in Matthew 25. If you remember, as Jesus tells the parable uh, of the final judgment of the sheep and the goats uh, being separated, he, he says these words, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, um, you did it um, to me. Uh, The opposite of that was what was going on in the church in Corinth at that particular time. As as the people gathered together, we told that it was all about their own consumption. It was all about um, their self-focus. Rather than being something 
which was unifying. It was something which drove them away from God and drove them away from one another. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's pretty straightforward. They were selfish and self-focused. Those who had a lot um, didn't, didn't share with those who had none. Uh, they didn't wait um, upon the other. Some took it as an opportunity um, to get drunk rather than coming together and sharing. And, and again, and at that time and place, it would be more of a house church. Those who were slaves or those who were servants would have to finish up um, their work uh, before they came to the gathering. And by the time that they were arriving, it had all um, been consumed with no thought um, for one another. Uh, the travesty that it had indeed um, turned into. And, and in thinking about this and in thinking about what Paul says um, to the church uh, about this, uh, it asks the question, uh, what are they called um, to remember? Because Paul goes on to contrast their behavior uh, with the way in which it was instituted by Jesus, uh, God's divine, God's design, what it was intended um, to reveal, what it was intended to remind us of, what it was intended to point um, toward. As I've thought about this, uh, my mind goes back to the uh, first Sunday after my ordination to the priesthood when I was uh, celebrating communion for the first time. And as you might imagine, um, the night before and the day of, it was something that I was very excited about. And of course, I wanted to be the best celebrant ever for Jesus, um, not for personal vanity. Um, it had all, uh, everything to do with Jesus, and I wanted everything um, to go great. And so that morning, I was anxious, I was excited, and we had a, uh, this was at the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston. And we had a 7.30 service, uh, and they were as lively as our 7.30 service. Uh, and so I started with that one, and it was the 7.30 service, and it came time to set the table, uh, and I go over and I get the bread and I place it uh, on the table, on the altar there. And then I went over to the little table where the wine and the water were kept, but it was just one cruet. And I thought, well, it's fine. It's, it's, it's wine uh, only today. That, no, no big deal. Uh, and you probably see where this is going. And I carry it over um, to the table and I open it and it's water. And I, uh, you know, I'm panicking uh, on the inside, but I'm trying to play it cool, and I look at the congregation, I say, you know, thank you for your confidence, um, but I'm going to be back uh, in just a minute, uh, and so I have to sort of awkwardly trot over to the sacristy and get some wine and, and come back, so 7.30 didn't quite work out um, the way that, that I had planned, but doggone it, 10 o'clock was going to be better, um, and it came time uh, in the service, uh, in the communion service, in the Lord's Supper, uh, when the bread is uh, l broken, you know, lift the bread and broke it, and there's a, there's a larger piece of bread. And if you've ever been to that church, it's, it's a large church uh, like this one, maybe larger, uh, and, uh, you know, big church. And it came time to, to lift up the larger host to break it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and so once again, I began to panic, and I thought, you know what, maybe Maybe I knocked it off at some point, and so what I did was I, was I genuflected. I went down um, like this because I was sure that maybe I'd knocked it off, and yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't devotion. I was looking for it on the floor. No one could see me behind there, and I was looking for it, and I, I didn't find it, so I, I stood up, and still no luck, so I, I sort of bowed very reverently, um, my, my face basically um, touching the table, still um, no luck, and, and one more time, I thought, okay, I'm going to give it one more try. I'm going to genuflect one more time, and I, and I go down again, and then I see uh, that the dean had piled all the other bread on top of it, and there it was, and I pulled it out, and I, and I broke it, and after the service, a woman came up to me, and she said, that was really, that was really just a, a holy um, moment. Um, 
And I, and I thought about it, I could have said, thank you. Um, but no, I said, you know, I, I have to be honest with you. I said I was lost. Um, I couldn't find, and I you know, went into the whole, um, the whole explanation of it. And I, and, and I share that with you because, you know, honestly, uh, uh, the, the facade, yes, was, was there. But in truth, uh, I was lost. And, and not only was I lost, but, you know, at that moment, it, it, it had nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with me. Uh, I was worried um, about the way that I looked uh, while I was up there. I had, I had lost sight uh, of the meaning and the significance uh, of what it was um, that we were gathering for. And, and Paul gives this word, uh, yes, uh, of rebuke, uh, beloved rebuke, necessary rebuke, because the people were lost. They had lost um, their focus. They had turned uh, into a travesty, this, this great gift and this great remembrance uh, of God's grace and of God's mercy, of the reconciliation which God has won um, for you and for me. And, and rather than turning it into an opportunity for rejoicing and thanksgiving, rather than uh, having it be a moment where um, our hearts might be changed and our lives might be changed, uh, they had turned it into something which was focused uh, on themselves uh, and which was to their um, destruction rather than to their building up. And Paul begins to talk about uh, at Jesus's Last Supper, uh, when he took um, the bread and he broke it and said, this uh, is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood uh, which was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There is that great opportunity for them. There's that great opportunity for you and for me as we're gathered this day, as in a minute we'll come together um, to the table to receive the gifts of God given for you and for me, the people of God, to remember um, the character and the nature of God uh, and the way in which he responds um, to you uh, and to me. I was listening fairly recently to a, a friend's sermon from some time ago, and he was talking about a particular church. And in this particular church, it's their tradition. They, they pretty much have the whole congregation involved in acting out uh, Jesus's uh, sort of final days, his passion, his crucifixion, and his uh, resurrection. And all the congregation comes together um, to act this out. And this particular year, um, one individual uh, was selected to play Jesus, and he was the sort of the, the roughest guy in the congregation and the least likely uh, that you would think um, to play um, Jesus. Sort of imagine, I don't know, drill instructor or hell's angel um, chosen that year to play um, Jesus. And as the congregation is acting this out and, and going along, one of the members of the congregation was, was really a little too into it. And he kept screaming at the top of his voice, crucify him. Uh, and in fact, he even got in his face and he screamed, crucify him. And he was so worked up that as he did it, spit came out of his mouth um, onto the guy's face, uh, the guy playing Jesus, and uh, the guy playing Jesus takes the cross, uh, and he sets the cross down, and you're wondering, is this going to be uh, a, a terrible moment? Is this going to be uh, a, a holy moment? What is this going to be? And, and he looks at the guy, and he says, I'll see you after the resurrection. Um, well... Missing, uh, the, missing the mark. And one of the things that as we've been uh, these days after Easter, uh, we hear these amazing uh, 
passages of Jesus's continued resurrection appearances um, to his followers. And one of the things that is consistent is Jesus appears to them again and again and again, rather than Jesus saying, I'll see you after the resurrection, rather than a word of deserved rebuke, uh, it's a word of grace and a word of restoration. Uh, It's a word of forgiveness and it's a word of reconciliation. It's a word uh, of his power being placed upon them, being placed within them, that they might go forward um, as his messengers, that they might go forward as salt and light in a world that deeply, um, desperately needs it. And as we remember the Last Supper, as we remember Jesus gathering his followers, we see to some degree they don't receive it worthily. Uh, Judas, of course, will betray Jesus. The other disciples will, will deny him and will run out on him. All of them basically misunderstand and don't fully comprehend the significance of what he is saying to them. So to some degree, do, do any of us come and receive it worthily? Uh, no, but, no, but uh, the invitation from Paul to the Corinthians, the invitation um, that I give to you, uh, not just this morning, but when we gather together as the body of Christ, um, for you and I to reflect uh, on our deep and desperate need for the Lord's grace and mercy in our lives, uh, to reflect uh, on the way in which, rather than showering upon us deserved rebuke and exclusion, the way that he extends to us grace and reconciliation, and that the power of that, the joy of that, the reality of that uh, would affect us, uh, would change us in our relationship with God and the way in which we come to him, but it would also change and affect us with power and with freedom, the way in which uh, we live in relationship with one another, Uh, a new thanksgiving, a new joy, uh, a new um, generosity. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks and praise that in Jesus, your Son, you have sought us, not because of our merits, but because of your mercies. And through your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, you Give us reconciliation and restoration. You give us fellowship with you, our Heavenly Father. I pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, that the truth and the magnificence of this would be impressed upon us in such a way uh, that we live faithfully, joyfully, graciously in relationship with you and one another. This I ask, this I offer today in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.